Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Spotcast. This is episode 31. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Wakanda forever! We also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Good. By the way, um, just a sidebar here. The You know the pod world thing that they had in Seattle? Yeah, PodCon. Probably should have gone. Oh well, next year represented huh? mm. next year. Next year, yeah. No, there were some big, some uh, some you know interesting people there. Anyway, um, yeah, next year. Is it always in Seattle? Uh, I don't know. I've never never even heard of it until I saw it on the wires a couple of weeks ago. And then just I, I noticed some of the people I follow on Twitter were were there. One guy got his uh, iPad signed by one of the podcast hosts mm. on the back, not on the front. <laughs> for the back. Forever smudge <laughs> on the front. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Mental note, exactly. if I get famous enough, sign the front of people's iPads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, and do, follow Mark, Lu- or, uh, yeah, Mark Hamill, right? That's right. I was going to say Mark Lucas. What the hell was I thinking? Oh, what, Holy wait, cow. What? Ooh, Luke, I am your father. Yes. So, here we are. So, uh, do we have any fact check, Mark? Oh, nobody's done any fact check on last week's show. It was so oh, good. Oh, hang on. I think I might have some. Oh, hang on. Oh, oh wait. Oh, I mean, I'll have pasted it in. Let me see. I think I've got a file it's, here. It's pretty heavy, pretty heavy fact check. You, you guys can uh, vent for a second there and I'll Find it. Drop it in. So the Wakanda Forever thing has a, a new twist to it now. I don't know if you all have seen the new trailers for What Men Want, where no lady d- drinks some sort of magic tea, I think, that gives her the ability to read the minds and hear what men are thinking. Very similar to oh, Mel Gibson's be kidding What me. Women Want. And I'm not even sure if it's like a reboot or sequel. Um, we can discuss that um, you know, movie universe at a later time. <laughs> it's good that they've expanded that universe, yeah. Tangentially right, yeah. sci-fi and fantasy. Um, but in the trailer that I saw, um, her her young son wears like her panties on his head and says Wakanda forever. <laughs> it's burned into my brain now. Nice, nice. Uh, okay, so our one fact check twenty three forty eight. Uh, we mentioned Hellboy. We were talking about Hellboy, and we couldn't remember the name of the merman from Hellboy. His name is Abe Sapien. I got, I look, I look, Abe, Abe Sapien. Sapien. That is all that I have for our fact check. It was a very sense. efficient uh, episode last time. Wow, amazing. Yeah, hard to believe. Hard to believe no no we're pros it's good we don't, we don't need no <laughs> podcon we're good we don't need no podcon all right well so um should we should we before we uh, should we jump into the spockies or do you want to save that for after the headlines well i want to do our headlines and then we'll do our spockies and then we'll get to our uh, so they've got okay, we got a double right, so. double main event to just keep our listeners tuned in here we got a double main event tonight we're, not only are we going to talk about the first episode of season two of star trek discovery which is why mm-hmm. you're all we've all gathered here but we mm-hmm. also are going to reveal the winners of the second annual spocky awards Ooh, yeah. double header yes. all right 
right. Okay. So lead into, uh, I guess Jaime's got Jaime's first up on the headlines. Yeah. Keeping it brisk. So uh, HBO has revealed the release date for the final season of Game of Thrones. TLDR is April 14th. So mark that on your calendars. And uh, the trailer is kind of cool and and gloomy, showing some of the main Starks in the crypt, crypts, I guess, of Winterfell. But are they really Starks? Are they? I mean, (laughs) spoilers, I guess, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) yes-ish. Uh, but yeah, um, looking forward to seeing that one. Yeah, I kind of get the impression that that was made for TV kind of thing because I can't imagine they're down in the in the Stark crypt, of course, right? And they're all yeah. they see themselves or whatever. But, yeah, it plays you know. like a dream sequence. It's either done as a commercial or it's done as part of a dream. It doesn't seem right. like something that's actually happening, like a triple hysteria or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those will be, and it was all just a dream. To be fair, right? if it gets any colder here, then I might start having those kind of delusions too. So maybe it's winter is just truly come to uh to uh winterfell but that's true yeah or toronto fell yeah toronto fell yeah all right okay what's next Continuing on the theme of trailers, we have a trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. That would be the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, that looks like it releases on July 5th. It shows uh, Spider-Man uh, looking good and healthy and going to the UK. Not, not disintegrated at all kind of thing? Yeah, <laughs> not not ashy, so it seems well well hydrated. Um, yeah, it, it looks like a fun one. Uh, I'd say go, go see the trailer. I definitely want to go see the movie. And the big bad villain is uh, ostensibly uh, Mr. And played mm-hmm. by Jake Gyllenhaal or, or Gyllenhaal. I forget how his name is pronounced. Yeah, I think it's Gyllenhaal. Oh, he's the bad guy in that? Well, he, he in the trailer, he comes off like he might be pretending to be the good guy. Yeah. But he's a guy, he's, he wears a, the, the dome helmet thing. Yeah, guy, yeah, right? yeah. Classic, <laughs> classic uh, Spider-Man villain and one that hasn't been done oh, in any of the oh. films so far. So very cool to see that brought to life. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I recognized him. So the, yeah. so the debate on this, this one is where in time does this uh, movie fit? with the events right. of yeah. the latest Avengers film. And uh, I believe it was uh, Amy Pascal from Sony who said it takes place before and during the events of Avengers. So sounds like there's going to be some timey-wimey stuff going on in the new Avengers movie to sort of bring this back into some sort of time loop. I'm thinking that when Peter is on the bus in Avengers, that's oh, where they're going. Back? They're, oh, they're going or coming back? No, I think they're going. I think they were on their way to that trip. So I think when time resets itself and all is right at the end of the new Avengers, Avengers movie, he's he's on that bus trip because he's going on a trip with his friends to, to Europe, which is Wait, what the trailer is. time shows. resets itself? I missed something there. Well, I think they're, they're not going to leave Spider-Man dead. We can safely conclude that. They're not going to leave all these characters demised. That would be bad for business. So the question is, how do they bring them all back? And maybe... How do they bring them all back after, I mean, the movie we haven't seen yet that's coming out this summer? Exactly. Oh, okay. So in that oh. case, maybe they're going to do some timey-wimey stuff where time, time goes back to where it left off or none of that stuff actually happened that that way they wouldn't have anybody be dead right right oh i see okay okay weird okay all right. That's- so sidebar though, on, on on that same thing. So I finally did get around to watching Ant Man and Wasp, and I think I reached out to you and asked you because again I got confused about the timeline because there's a couple of characters at the end of that movie that vaporize or whatever we're calling this turning to snapping the snapping the snapping it's snapping mm-hmm. okay yeah Stapolic, the stepocalypse uh, snapocalypse um yeah so and you said that the Ant Man and Wasp takes place at the end of or during like so what what I, I think my confusion was, was when was it released was it released before avengers or after it was released after so there was right. some debate as to sort of where it fit so the movie happens concurrent with what's happening i guess or uh, 
or prior, just prior to the events of Avengers uh, Infinity War and the PS sequence on that film happens clearly at the end of that film because, as you mentioned, uh, three of the characters turn to, to dust and Ant-Man is stranded. What would have happened if they had released Ant-Man and Wasp before the Avengers Infinity War came out and at the end of the movie they still had those two characters sort of poof, you know, disappear in the snapping? Wouldn't that be kind of like, would people kind of going, what had just happened there? Well, I, yeah, think? I guess it would have been a spoiler. Would it have been a spoiler? Would people have figured that out? Probably. Oh, is it something that you might have read in a comic book at some point in the It, it is something you probably years? would have oh. read in a comic that came out 25 years ago. 25 years ago. I knew it was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, Jaime Lopez headline. Yeah, I sure hope you like collecting streaming services because <laughs> <laughs> there's a new one coming out from NBC Universal. And very similar to many, there will be um, paid versions. In this case, there will also be an ad-supported version that will be free for NBC TV subscribers in the U.S. I'm not even sure what that means. I don't think I subscribe to NBC TV. That sounds like a different channel than NBC. So I'm a little confused on this, but they're going to have their own content as well. It's a little unclear because of the 30% stake in Hulu that NBC Universal has. And we know that Disney has a big chunk of that, especially after the Fox acquisition. So I expect there to be a whole lot more fragmentation in this space before we start start seeing things consolidate. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about collecting um, streaming services, because I'm just starting to do the math now. If you have to have CBC, CBS, and you have to have Netflix, and you have to have Hulu, and you have to have NBC Universal, and you have to have, what one am I missing? Dis- Disney? Disney Plus. Right. Aren't you paying way more than you would have paid for cable already? Yeah, but so much better content. Oh, oh, and there's five more services launching next year. <laughs> Don't forget the, uh, it was the Disney, uh, DC one, right? The Warner Brothers DC one that they've got out there too and sure. you know anybody thinks they can monetize again the problem is they're not making as much money on their commercial television they got to try and oh i see corner right, the market right. on you so right right and i suppose they can they can collect their own nielsen ratings by basically seeing how many people are paying them i guess right yeah and and they'll be able to get to collect their own stats and you know there goes our privacy once again yeah yeah cool well all right are we done with this particular one so just to recap are there any uh, nbc sci-fi shows that we're watching doesn't nbc own sci-fi the sci-fi uh, network in the states uh, oh good question i'm not sure but are there and you're asking are we watching any nbc shows yeah i got uh, the good place is is on there that's a, a oh, yeah, ostensibly okay. yeah. a sci-fi show but yeah i'm just wondering if they start pulling the material off of netflix mm. uh as disney is clearly propying trying to do yeah hmm. that's yeah, funny all of a sudden certain days like is good places on monday or tuesday uh, it's on thursdays thursday evenings thursday thursdays like i can't do anything but watch tv on thursday i know There's so many shows that since come they added thursday. the it's because Discovery's on there, Orville's on there, now Good Place is on there, and th- there's a few other... Sunday and Tuesday are having the same problem for me, too. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I actually did watch Supergirl this this weekend, that to say. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, watched, to say. <laughs> I watched The Flash, but it is, as a matter of fact, I just looked up, Sci-Fi is owned by MB- NBC Universal, subsidiary of Comcast. So there you go. So those of you who were interested in sci-fi content, that will be a pay platform for them. Yeah. Assuming you watch Krypton, I don't know what else the sci-fi i have nowadays there's no more galactica what do they show uh which one sci-fi it's the sci-fi channel in the states oh, sci-fi channel oh i don't know hmm. okay i know that they show uh the krypton show which i have not watched at all yeah i watched a bit of that last year they the um yeah i think they they produce a lot of things that we see here on showcase and on bravo and stuff right yeah so. i think you're right 
a lot of original movies like Sharktopus versus <laughs> Zebra Squid or something. There's like a million of them that I see on the Sci-Fi Channel. Well, they did. Yeah. They did Killjoys. That was on here. They do Happy Krypton. Oh, Happy's good. De- yeah. Deadly Class just started. Hmm. Um, yeah, looking forward to the return of Happy at some point. Uh, yeah, I don't see a lot of other stuff on here. Van Helsing, Winona Earp, The Magicians. Mm, right. So yeah, there's a few shows out there that people will know. Yeah, I just watched the first uh, class of Deadly Class there. So let's go back to, to Supergirl for a minute because because I'm just falling into this episode and I probably won't watch it again. But so this badass woman that, that's running the, what's it called, DEA or whatever? DEO. The DEO, Drug Enforcement Office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, drugs. Yeah, space drugs. <laughs> space drugs. Yeah, so she's like, what a piece of work, hey? Eh? Like, yeah. the one, trying to trying to like, hypnotize everybody into telling who Supergirl is. And that's She's basically Amanda Waller, if you remember her from yeah. Suicide Squad. Yeah. It's the same kind of character. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Tough as nails, willing to to push the line but technically not a villain you know this is a on the side of the good guys but sort of antagonizing them because of the the way that they're very very mission focused yeah. right right yeah you're either with us or against us right mm-hmm. uh-huh which is the main premise that i dislike about that show anyway uh let's move on to jonathan's um headlines here okay uh i got a good one so uh we got news last week that uh we're going to see a revival of the original ghostbusters jason reitman son of ivan uh uh, noted Canadian director uh, is going to revive his father's uh, legacy piece and bring us back uh, a movie that omits the most recent reboot of Ghostbusters and sort of continues the legacy after Ghostbusters Part 1 and Part 2. Uh, and as a matter of fact, he has even shown us a little little teaser trailer already, which is uh, an interesting development. So, cool news. Um, if you're a fan of that Ghostbusters iteration, obviously uh, we're missing... Uh, one of the Ghostbusters passed away, uh, Harold Ramis. So we're down to three, and there hasn't been any word on the participation of Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and uh, Ernie Hudson. So don't know what's going to happen there. There's rumors that they're going to cast uh, a younger team, a mix of boys and girls, and maybe it's a legacy piece. Maybe this is their children, or there's some other connection there, but none of that is confirmed. Uh, Leslie Jones, who was one of the stars of the latest reboot, uh, leapt out on Twitter and said, uh, this is BS and, uh, <laughs> I can't believe they're doing this and you know, who the hell do they think they are? And she's got a point. Um, but still to have, uh, you know, the legacy of somebody like Jason, who I think is an exceptional filmmaker. I'm a really big fan of his work. Um, I just watched his movie Tully last week for the first time and, and really enjoyed it. Um, I'm excited to see what a talented filmmaker like him and somebody who obviously is going to have the, uh, ear of his father who created this, uh, uh, co-created this um i'm curious to see what's gonna happen what do you guys think i don't know did he do juno is that him yeah and and not the whiplash one the roller skating one uh oh yeah what was that one called whiplash or something like was that. it was it whiplash or? I don't know. So we're going to have roller skating Ghostbusters now? Uh, who knows? Again, I've, I've, I, he did uh, Young Adult a few years ago, which is this black comedy with uh, Charlize Theron and Patton Oswalt that is Oh, yeah, yeah. Genius. That was really good, yeah. Oh, my God. That movie is so good. And and uh, let's say I watched Tully last week and, and really enjoyed that one as well. And Juno's a great flick. So, uh, again, this guy's a great filmmaker. He did Thank You for Smoking. He's done a lot of great movies. Um, so he, he's got his bona fides. Now, he's not just Ivan Reitman's kid, but he's also Ivan Reitman's kid. So um, that's a sort 
sort of strengthen the legacy. Um, I'm keen. I'm in. Yeah, well, I guess it's it's an interesting... I mean, what about Sigourney Weaver? You forgot about her. True. Um, and, well, Rick Moranis was retired, right? Yeah, yeah. Disappointingly, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like Jonah Hill and, and um, oh, the kid from um, the other one from that movie. Um, drawing a blank here. Which is what we do on this show. Oh, so from Superbad. Uh, what's his yeah, name? Superbad, yeah, 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 yeah. The other Canadian kid. Canadian? He's also, I think he's also in Juno, isn't he? He is. That's yeah, the McLovin guy? No, 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 no the, the skinny guy from Arrested Development. So McLovin could play Ramus's character, right? Egon? Um, no. Is R- Ramus <laughs> has a daughter. I don't, does he have a son? No, I mean, no, not, McLovin could oh, play Oh, yeah, him. well, yeah. <laughs> do a whole the thing. Kid who, has he ever been in another movie since since then? Okay, here's for, for editing purposes, here's your name. Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah, yeah. That's yeah. From, of. from Arrested Development. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. That's the kid. Scott Pilgrim. But my joke was about, about Jonah Hill, like just, you know, do a, do a remake, just throw Jonah Hill in there, right? Yeah. You, know, you missed it. Yeah. You missed it. Right over my head. So funny. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, who's is the next one? Uh, is that me, maybe? I think the next two are you. The ones, I think, Hyman, I put our names on these. I don't think you put your names oh, on Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I basically posted this one here that's saying that um, uh, the, the short tracks are finally available outside the, of the U.S. and Canada. Uh, in the U.S., they were available on CBS All Access. In Canada, they were available on Space, Space. TV. And Crave. Um, and Crave. And Crave, yes. Technically, same thing. Um, but, yeah, now they're Available on net, on the Netflix uh, for the fans out there who haven't seen uh, these other things. And um, my other my next piece is has to do with Sarah Mittich, which we talked about uh, last year. Who played? Um, uh, she, uh, did she play last year? Yes, yeah. she, last year she played Lieutenant C- Commander Ariam, which is the the, the Star Wars character that Star, sorry Star Wars Star Trek character that has you know the sort of the uh, like an augmented robot-y kind of yep. body, yep. or or is it a robot? I can't remember. Um, like an android, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's now been she's cast off her her uh, costume, and she's now playing a human woman uh, in the show. And uh, the character, uh, the lady who's playing, um, yeah, she's now playing Lieutenant Nilsson. And I've forgotten the name of the lady that's playing. It's actually in the tweet who's going to cover uh, the Lieutenant Commander Ariam character because she was in the show and she actually had lines in this one. Um, oh, Hannah Cheeseman is going to play uh, uh, Lieutenant Nil. Or sorry. <laughs> Which one is it again? Uh, She's going to play Commander Arium. Arium, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she actually had some lines in the last show. I didn't really notice uh, Sarah Mitich in the first episode, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes anyway. Would you recognize her outside of her uh, robotic yeah. Th- thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's a fellow Canadian, so, you know. Just <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I have no clue who this person is. I thought, oh, maybe she comes out in Doctor Who or something. No, no, no. She well, she was just one of the one of the crews that uh, that was uh, talked about. So, and one of the you know one of the actors on the show. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's Canadian. Yep. Anyway, so Jonathan, you get some uh, follow ups. I do. So, uh, interesting story this week um, that some of the uh, well, and you know, to be fair, some of it was done here on this podcast. Some of the criticism of the appearance uh, and demeanor of the Klingons on Star Trek Discovery season one have apparently made an impact on the production. So uh, there's a story from Digital Spy, a British website, uh, that Alex Kurtzman, who's one of the, uh, the co-creators of the show, said that um, the appearance of the Klingons in uh, the first season, which was obviously a very big departure from previous iterations of Klingons, which were very hairy and... So these are Klingons 4.0 now, I guess, right? Yeah, we did just keep on going. And so uh, apparently as a result of some of the feedback 
feedback, the the bald, uh, hairless Klingons that appeared in the first season will not be brought back, and they're going to give them hair again. And apparently he said that uh, part of it is that they're no longer at war, and therefore they can grow their hair back out. Uh, I think that's a bit oh, of a really? stretch. I think they just wanted to do something new, and it didn't catch on, and they got a lot of backlash, and they've decided to redo it. But yeah, so for those of you that were uncomfortable in season one with uh, not just the Klingons, but the Klingon nude lovemaking scenes it's at all, apparently you're going to get a more uh, traditional-looking look at the Klingons for season two, and this is also a spoiler, apparently we're going to see more Klingons in season two. Really? Wow, that's not... Yeah, so we had the original series Klingons, which were just grumpy, you know, um, Western actors in, you know, black vests, right? Yeah. Uh, with with sort of various types of hair. Um, and then there we had the Worf, um, the l- Christopher Lloyd yeah. type Klingons, you know. The lumpy foreheads and the big eyebrows. Yeah, and the big long hippie hairdos, yeah, right? Yeah. And then we had the undiscovered country sort of semi-balding semi um, Klingons, right? With the, with the less ridgy heads. Mm-hmm. So they were sort of been the, the head so that's the third iteration well i guess so then the fourth iteration is the ones we had last year yeah on discovery so now we're gonna have a fifth iteration of of klingon well dumb. well it remains to be seen maybe they'll go back to something that looks closer to what we had gotten used to in the past so uh, we'll we'll wait and see but it's interesting that this is something that uh, apparently they just cannot leave alone yeah well they just they just like it's like a star wars franchise yeah. um they've um <laughs> they go back and digitally well, alter them for the dvd release yeah well <laughs> yeah they will of course they um they uh, they just showed uh, Laurel in the last episode, and she still didn't have hair. So mm-hmm. even though she's been sitting in a in, you know, with her arms in chains there, you know, yeah, pouting against the wall. Spoilers. Spoilers. Anyway, all right. What's next? Uh, quick one. So uh, Shazam, the movie's coming out this year. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, shot here in Toronto, of course. Um, the Shazam suit. So this story came out last week, and I just couldn't believe it. So apparently, the suits that they've got uh, fit for the, the film cost $1 million a piece to make. They are illuminated. They are custom molded to the actor's body. They are filled with all kinds of uh, wiring and gadgetry and all kinds of cool stuff. They cost a million bucks a piece and they made 10 of them to film this really? movie. Um, so Zach Levi is uh, obviously playing Shazam and he's got this sort of buff muscle suit. He's obviously gotten himself in really good shape for the film, but they've got these things that are custom made to you know form fit to his body and they've got this light bolt on the front that illuminates and everything and yeah 10 million dollars worth of costumes for this movie so no pressure but that's the just the one costume budget for this movie so we know it's going to make a few bucks to break even but it does look like a fun movie so we'll see where it goes so is shazam the, the character where it was a young kid who turns into shazam and by saying shazam that's that right one? yeah it, it, the, the character's name is C- captain marvel historically in comic books he says the name shazam he turns in from billy batson a little boy into the heroic hero uh captain marvel but not uh, the same Captain Marvel? Not the same Captain Marvel. There have been two Captain... There have been multiple Captain Marvels over the years. Uh, there was lawsuits. There were problems. Uh, DC has sort of backed off over the years on using Captain Marvel because it's just not... Uh, so is this DC versus... versus Marvel, um, yes. Marvel? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so which property is this Shazam? This is DC. Oh, okay, okay. So obviously, somewhat coincidentally, these two films are coming out in close proximity to one another, but we are actually getting Captain Marvel and Shazam this year, which is kind of funny that they coincide like that, but or not. Hmm. Uh, maybe someone over in the marketing department's got a sense of humor, but uh, yeah, we are we are getting what would have been Captain Marvel versus Captain Marvel 
this year uh, in these two films. Yeah, but that's that's typical of Hollywood. You know, they have two volcano two movies, volcano movies two, two Captain Marvel Earth movies, Earth disaster movies. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling I know which one's going to win the box office. I think you probably could put some good money down on the one you think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think. Okay, so I haven't seen Aquaman, so maybe I'm not being fair. Um, Aquaman might have been uh, the first like fun, like like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe a sense of fun type of movie. You know, Thor Ragnarok, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems thematically closer to like a Thor Ragnarok in terms of the the goofy fun times sort of yep. movie that I expect from Shazam. Whereas uh, Aquaman seemed fun, but kind of maybe more like uh, Spider Man Homecoming or somewhere. It's well, fun, were... but a little bit more serious than Thor Ragnarok was. Yeah, they were calling it Aqua Bro, right? It was like you know was, uh, the guy was being a bro. He's just like out there with his hair out, going like, "Hey, we're in the water, far out." This seems like what you'd expect if you're going to make a movie about a kid who becomes a superhero. Have some fun with it. So again, the tone looks good so far. The trailers look good. It looks like it's going to be an enjoyable ride. And that's kind of what's been missing from some of these DC movies is they take themselves too seriously. You know, Wonder Woman had some lighter moments. We've seen some lighter moments in, in Aquaman, uh, in, at least in the trailers. And I've seen it, but um, hopefully they're turning the corner. So this is big with a cape, right? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what this is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Too bad Fao Schwartz is gone. Yeah. Um, F.A.R. Schwartz. Uh, yeah. So, Jonathan, you got one more, I think? One, uh, well, I got two more, but one more. Here we go. Uh, so, George Perez, uh, one of the most uh, revered artists in comic books in the last 40 years, has announced his retirement. Uh, very sad news. Um, not entirely unexpected. He's had some health issues. He's getting older. Um, he has some uh, different things that are sort of preventing him from uh, keeping the kind of routine that would be required to... Uh, uh, put out comics on a regular basis. So he's announced his retirement. Very disappointing to see uh, his career come to an end, but what an amazing legacy this man has left us with. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, we talked about before. He drew this iconic series. Um, he drew one of the most memorable uh, crossovers in the history of uh, comic books. He did JLA Avengers, which was this big DC Marvel crossover series where he drew just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of superheroes overlapping with one another. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, of course, New Teen Titans was one of his huge landmark uh, series. Uh, he did the Avengers for years. He did Fantastic Four. I mean, this man worked on so many books over his career and was just an absolute legend. I had the pleasure of interviewing him for my work. I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, as a fan. He was an absolutely gracious and kind gentleman. Uh, apparently, he's going to continue going to conventions and meeting people and getting out there and you can get him to give you an autograph and stuff like that. Do make the time to meet this man. He's so much fun and uh, we're so grateful that he was there for us to uh, share his talents with us. Really, really one of the best artists I've ever uh, I've ever had the experience of reading. Cool. All right. So um, the next piece here is uh, I was listening this morning to a repeat of uh, Shaniko Martin Green of Star Trek Discovery and The, the Walking Dead was on uh, CBC Q Radio, uh, CBC Q, which is a radio show I listen to occasionally, but I listen to it as a podcast. Um, and she was being interviewed by Lori Brown, who was I think a rock journalist at one point, um, talking about you know her role as the first black female lead in a Star Trek franchise, talking about, you know, where friend, where Star Trek is going with Discovery, you know, Spock having a full beard, uh, like, you know, is he the hipster Spock, or is he Spock from a mirror universe? You'll have to listen to the show and find out, or watch Discovery. Um, yeah, so uh, it was a really good interview to sort of hear, it's like 14 minutes long, it's not very, not much of an investment of your time to sort of uh, hear what she has to say about her place in uh, Star Trek and, and how what work she did to, to research 
research it and, and that kind of stuff. So good interview with uh, Shaniqua, Mar- Shaniqua Martin-Green. Saniqua Martin-Green. How about Saniqua Martin-Green? All right. It's my <laughs> Jonathan, you got my one favorite more? part of this podcast is listening for you to have to say her name. I know. Seriously. <laughs> Which I'm going to cut anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, and our last thing, uh, we had the Oscar nominations came out this week. Um, obviously a big one for Black Panther. Uh, first superhero film, first uh, Marvel film to be nominated for Best Picture, the Academy Awards. Uh, got seven nominations overall. Got uh, original score, costume design, visual effects, best song, all kinds of stuff. Very, very cool uh, sort of moment for uh, people who are fans of this genre. Um, unfortunately, no nominations for Ryan Coogler for um, for directing this, uh, in spite of its nomination for Best Picture, and um, also none for Michael B. Jordan or for Chadwick Boseman, um, or even for Letitia Wright, who we all, I think, really enjoyed her performance as well. So a little bit of a letdown. It's exciting. At the same time, it almost feels a little bit like it's just being done as a courtesy. It doesn't feel like it's necessarily has the seriousness behind it that you might hope for, but still cool to see a a movie that I think we all recognize was something special uh, get a little bit of a do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'd be really, really shocked and surprised if it won the best picture. Um, I think I will address something I saw online because there were a lot of people sort of hurt over the fact that The Dark Knight was not nominated back when whenever it came out. And I think it was a quite of a different time in, in terms of like, you know, there were only five Best Picture nominees back then. Uh, for the last several years, there have been 10. So it kind of makes sense that Black Panther is probably, you know, one of those 10. I, I could see that. I could see arguments for it. And for folks who feel upset about The Dark Knight never having been nominated, it's like, well, I kind of think The Dark Knight was a big argument for, not the, but an argument for why they decided to extend to 10 pictures and why a superhero movie is even nominated to begin with. I think they, they sort of, um, you know, caused everybody to sort of reconsider what they were thinking for the Best Picture nominations. Yeah. That said, though, Heath Ledger's portrayal of, of the Joker was like over the top, probably one of the best performances I've seen in many, many years, right? Well, and he won, mm-hmm. he won the Oscar posthumously yeah, for that, right? Yeah, well, Best Actor, yeah, for sure. Best Supporting, Best Supporting. Was it Best Supporting? Yeah, oh, best Supporting, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah, hmm, interesting. Yeah. All right, so here's... Sorry, as you can say, the other thing is that if you go down, there was a, a great story on IGN the other day about the history of Oscar-nominated uh, superhero films and, and science fiction right. films. It, it is it is pretty astonishing. Like, people talk about comedy having a really tough time breaking through with the Academy. Uh, sci-fi is is just the worst ghetto of, of this. Like, you look at some movies that were really influential, and they just, it's always like, well, visual effects, score, uh, you know, costumes sometimes, you know, all these movies, you know, that they, you know, groundbreaking technology. You know, you think about the leaps forward we've seen from movies like Star Wars or Superman yeah, the movie or all these different things over the years, and it, it, none of them are taking the They do get, you know, yeah, best visual effects and a pat on the head, but it is, again, it is a leap forward to see this movie getting at least a nomination. Yeah, Star Wars was a phenomenal movie. I was talking to somebody about that today that, you know, in 1977, I mean, admittedly, I was 17 years old and blah, 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 but but in the grand, in the, as a milestone in movie production, you know, it's up there with 2001 Space Odyssey, which again, that that one is arguable because I've, I've, I've come across many, many people who, who can't even make it through that movie, right? But, um, uh, you know, the first part is kind of like very sort of um, philosophical and stuff like that, right? But um, yeah, 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that, like, you know, I saw it happen. I was watching Star Wars, and then every single movie that came out, you know, for the next six to months to a year had motion capture models and stuff like that. It was just totally, you know, let's go get that I, those ILM guys to do that same thing, you know, yeah. for us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then as CGI came along, too, there were many CGI movies that were, were like that. The Matrix is another example of a, yeah. of a movie that had a great story and a phenomenal twist and, you know, um, right in the middle, not at the end, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's another, I mean, for me, The Matrix is the reason I went out and bought a DVD player, you know, just because I want, and then got a subwoofer just so I could hear that part where Neo become, realizes he is, in fact, the one, and, and the entire theater shook, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, and so. there's some movies that just change the game, and again, they just, they, they are so influential, and they do change movie making. Again, you can say what you will about, you know, art film versus, you know, or cinema versus film, or cinema versus movies, uh, but, you know, these movies are changing, you know, the way that other movies are made, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. They are hugely influential, and, you know, it is it is nice to finally get a little bit of a push, although, you know, it does make you wonder, you know, is this the new norm, or is this just Oscar-paying lip service? So, I guess we'll find it, well, out when the ceremony happens, if there, you know, if there's more than, you know. I think if you look at the betting odds right now, there's nobody putting money down on Black Panther. Oh, totally, yeah. I was going to say, like, like the having lived through a lifetime of Academy Awards, it, it, it's just riddled with disappointment from the point of view. I mean, very rarely have I been able to pick, you know, LA Confidential was an example, exemption, but exemption, sorry, Alex Confidential was an exemption to that rule. But, um, you know, if you're a sci-fi fan or a comedy fan, like you said, you're, you just don't watch the Oscars because whoever you think is going to win isn't going to win. In fact, even the Golden Globes, I was surprised that that um, Bohemian Rhapsody won, you know, or that uh, Remy Malek won for Best Actor, right? But then that's the Best kind Act- of movie that those awards people like. They like movies about people and they like movies about movies. That, that's really? that's what you mm. make to make an, to get an Oscar, right? That's how you win at, with the artist and not with the Dark, the dark night right well the reality is the good movies don't go in to make a movie to win an oscar no well i mean in an ideal world you can do both i mean there are movies that are massively popular that are also uh you know high art it just seems like rarer and rarer those things actually converge yeah it's funny because I, I questioned with a few friends of mine this after, this morning about the black panther movie being picked as best movie and you know i got blasted back what do you mean what you don't think it's the best movie blah 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 you know i don't know i mean i, I don't know i haven't seen roma but i i have a feeling i get i get the impression it was a great uh, interesting movie great movie right mm-hmm. and um green book you know some people were saying it should have been it would, would have won oscar 10 years ago but you know we've we've had that story over again over again I, who are the other people that were nominated for best picture uh bohemian rhapsody the yeah. favorite black panther favorite black klansman which i've seen and was excellent uh yeah. green book vice a star is born and roma i have to say vice but i didn't realize and all the times I watched that trailer that that was actually um, what's his name now Batman uh, Christian, Christian Bale. Bale Christian Bale yeah I had no like I'm looking, I, I had to go back and watch it again because I just thought it was some some actor you know yeah. I was more impressed by the guy playing George W right so yeah. yeah and they both got nominations and McKay got a nomination for best director and it got best picture like it's got a lot of heat under it and I must admit that was one I kind of regret not going to see over the holidays as well I, I do like Adam yeah. McKay's movies and I think he's really talented and uh, I, I would have liked to have seen that one but uh, can't cram it all in but black landsman was available on uh on on demand and and uh, dvd now and i watched that last week and it was great um spike lee long long overdue for a best director oh, nom. For sure. i finally for sure. got one yeah. should have gotten one 25 years ago for do the right things right disgusting mm-hmm. that he didn't and 
and yet finally here we are and he again he another guy it. who changed the way movies are made right? absolutely absolutely yeah for sure yeah, huh. yeah it's funny I, I mean i never would have thought uh, political movies can can i've seen some really interesting ones like the dude playing president that was funny or president yeah you played the president and um and the candidate i think it was a movie was called right and but uh, and i saw josh berlin play w in a movie and i you know i don't know why i ended up watching probably on a plane or something like that but that actually turned out to be a pretty good movie i never would have thought that i would sit down and watch a movie about george w bush right yeah but it was he actually made he made uh george w seem an interesting person when you know when he was president we all kind of like just well now we have another example of why george bush was a decent president <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, now that we're done so trashing which, Jaime's country, yeah. So shall we? Uh, it's two weeks in a row, honey. <laughs> but um, should uh, we season. move on to the Spockies, or should we move into the main features? Uh, well, you want to build the suspense for the Spockies? I don't know. Is there suspense for the Spockies? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's do the Spockies. Come on. Oh, let's do the Spockies. Let's All right. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to go to the Google Doc so I can actually walk us through it. Um, so, yeah. So, we had uh, we had uh, a fair number of uh, responses, more than we thought we would get, uh, more than we were getting in the first couple of days we put this thing out there. But, yeah, we put a, posted up, a, if you don't know, we posted a, a Google uh, form for people to vote for things, and Jonathan went ahead and put uh, his best shot for the number of movies and actors and so on and so forth, TV shows and that stuff into categories and we also allowed people to write stuff in i'm not sure who, how many people wrote in anything that kind of won and i don't know if you if you wrote in if you wrote in something if somebody else coming after you could see that 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 was been added to the the pile of people you could choose from anyways rolling on to the drum roll for the spockies second annual spockies that is Woo-hoo. so for best sci-fi picture we have a three-way tie so we we have, we'll have to sort of like you know decide are we going to let it be a three-way tie or are we going to are we going to call it so uh ready player one uh, got 20% of the votes. Uh, Avenger Affinity War got 20% of the votes. And Black Panther got 20% of the votes. So do we go by which one has the most Oscar nominations? Or uh, do we go we by which one this? we voted for? <laughs> do we, we could do that, too. Do we too. reveal our own votes? Oh, I don't know. I guess I could do that. I can't remember who what we voted for. <laughs> who did you I actually for? don't remember what I voted for. Oh, see. So I, I might, might be changing my mind. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's just... So So what do we think? Do we, are we going to let it be a three-way tie? What do you think? It was, it was uh, Ready Player One, Avengers Infinity War and Black Panther. Um, hard to say. I, I, here's my opinion. Here's my spin on it, okay? Ready Player One was a great book, yeah, and it was a decent movie, but the book was, again, light years ahead of the movie, even the, even though it was Spielberg and all that kind of stuff. It was, I haven't sat down and watched it again, so, you know, that much. Yeah. I have watched Avengers Infinity War twice now, because I sat and watched it uh, on television when it's on, I think it's on Netflix now yeah. in Canada. So, and I, I really enjoyed that. I think that of all the, of all the, and I may get shot down in a minute, I don't know, but of all the Marvel Marvel movies I've seen, I think this is actually the best one. Again, because I like those kind of movies. I like those kind of stories where all the characters get brought in together anyway, right? Um, I like that about Highline. I like that about Asimov. Um, so I, I guess I like that here. So And Black Panther Black Panther was a good movie, and, and it was a groundbreaking movie, I'll admit that, but I still, I think I'd have to pick Avengers over top of uh, Black Panther or Ready Player One. What do you guys think? We have to do mm-hmm. rock, paper, scissors for who's going to go second. <laughs> yeah. Um, coin. I, I think I will throw in Black Panther. I'll give it a little bit more credit for the uh, the groundbreakingness. Um, I definitely loved Avengers: Infinity War. Don't get me wrong. Um, that's why it's in a three way tie because I think it was a, a difficult category. Um, so I'll, I'll throw my my hat in the ring for Black Panther. Oh, 
Great. Uh, well, I'm not throwing mine. <laughs> I'm not throwing mine in for Ready Player One. So, uh, as the deciding voter, um, I, I did originally and will continue to keep my vote uh, behind Avengers: Infinity War. Oh, there you go. But um, I will tell you, I I really had to fight my recency bias because the other one that I had really tough time choosing between was uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen that one. It so was, I, and, but I've heard that's an amazing movie. It, so it was neck and neck mm-hmm. for me. I, I, I think on their own merits the achievements of uh, black panther and avengers infinity war and that last year um they all had so much ground broken in that obviously we saw you know the kind of impact culturally we saw with black panther and it was also just a really fucking good movie uh pardon my language uh and avengers to get that much into one movie and to create an empathetic uh villain and to have all those different things overlapping and have it work the way it did is an astonishing accomplishment um to make it a good movie that stands on its own and know that it's the first part of something uh it it was really something else and and the kind of care and love of comics and the kind of storytelling and the kind of again inclusiveness and the kind of um uh just amazing animation that we saw in spider-man into the spider-verse all three of those movies really really impressed me last year i was a in my mind it was the best year i think we've ever seen for uh science fiction movies solo not included um so it was good as far as the best ever marvel movie i i'm still gonna have to keep my hat in the winter soldier uh camp really i still think winter soldier is one of the best thrillers i've seen in years hands down That's one with robert uh, robert redford? robert redford and yeah yeah that one if you didn't put Super captain america in a costume that movie works it is completely compelling it's well acted it's well paced it's suspenseful it's action-packed it's really really good filmmaking and also it's got captain america and nick fury and uh black widow and 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 i I still think that is that and the original the very first the thing that started it all the original iron man movie with robert downey jr um go back and watch that one sometime that movie holds up and it is a really 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 well-made movie by john favreau it is such a strong movie and it really sets the tone for where this whole universe comes from and when you go back and look at it and you think like this was this was like a hail mary everyone was like robert downey jr iron man like what the what they came out of nowhere but it had all these ingredients into such a strong picture mm, i'll agree um but that's not 2018 no <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on we got some limited time here okay um so best sci-fi show uh f- not quite far and away but the clear winner in in this category is star trek discovery which is good because that's why we're here yeah um and we had a four-way tie for second place so we had mr robot uh the good place um uh, doctor who and altered carbon were tied for the second and and or third place so not much we can say about those ones right so i mean you know doctor who's doctor who it's a franchise you know like a, it's an institution in england right alter carbon was i think probably the, the the breakout one there good place is just carrying on an amazing show for many many years now right yeah and mr robot same thing it was uh mr robot it, to be honest with you, is, is almost getting to the point where it's a tired franchise you know like the first season was amazing second season was eh, and then you know 
I mean, still great television from the point of view of sci-fi, but the first season was the greatest season of uh, Mr. Robot, for sure. Well, and it has the exhaustion factor of, you know, it ended with such a twist. There's such a great the first, first yeah. season. It was really hard to keep the momentum up after that. So it, it is a diminishing return. And they've already said that they're going to do one more season and they're done. So yeah, they, yeah. they clearly know it's time to get out of the, the Mr. Robot business, not to mention the fact that I'm sure Remy Malik will cost a lot of money soon. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So let's move on to best new sci-fi show. This one surprised me even though i you know told you it was a good show but lost in space far and away the biggest winner in this category 35 percent of the votes went to that one and every else was like 14 percent and blah 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 right so far and away on that one and then tied for second and third disenchanted and sabrina chilling adventures of sabrina so is that new chilling no the chilling adventures yeah, chilling adventure. so yeah that was an interesting one you guys haven't seen lost in space though have you nope no i have not Sorry. and i think i ended up in this category i think i ended up voting for disenchanted if i'm not mistaken although i've not that's the animated that one yeah that's mm-hmm. the new matt greening mm-hmm. uh netflix series okay i haven't watched that one myself i've been made, so it's queued up but i haven't got around to watching it yet yeah, yeah, i did enjoy sabrina for sure yeah. that's probably who i voted for <laughs> all right best sci-fi actor guess who got this one wow mr ryan reynolds for for deadpool <gasps> canada's own ryan reynolds 46.7 percent of the vote went to him what i know Huge. and then and uh, then the tie again for uh second and third place three-way tie this time it was jason momoa for aquaman uh chadwick boseman for black panther and guess which one josh brolin won for well i don't have to guess you don't have to guess <laughs> no because he's only in there once no yeah he's, we only only put him in there once we didn't oh. didn't nominate him for his second role because uh i think Door, one of his roles yeah. was a, be- a bit better than the other right right okay well, yeah so for, for avengers affinity war although there wasn't was there much acting in there i guess there was I thought he actually did a pretty good job considering he was uh, CGI'd up, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so pr- surprising. Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool 2. That seemed to... A lot of people enjoyed that that portrayal, eh? Yeah. yeah. He's, Canada, He's a eh? favorite. He's a favorite, eh? That's for sure. For sure, for sure. Best sci-fi actor. Well, this is another runaway one. Best with, sci-fi uh, actress. Actress. Actress, sorry. Best sci-fi actress. Uh, runaway one with uh, uh, Leticia Wright from Black Panther. Yeah. Sort of breakout. She was also in uh, Humans. Have you guys ever seen Humans? I think I watched no. one episode. Seen the yeah. first season. I didn't remember her being in that one. She's, She's in, in the second, second season, I believe. She okay. she plays a, a human girl who wants to be a robot. Hmm. Who wants to, so she she gets to the contacts and and acts really weird. And you know one of the one of the the main character's sons, um, you know, is a schoolmate with with her and can't figure out why she's acting this way and so on and so forth. And I'm not going to spoil it for where it goes, but yeah, she's just she's so enamored with the the uh, robot help that she decides to be one or pretend to be one hmm. or role play as one or whatever you call it. Um, identify as one. That's probably the best way to say hey. it these days. Yeah. Um, so Black Panther, yeah, she she ran away with that with that role, I think, right? Yeah, she was a, she was a revelation for me. I, I thought she was the you know obviously she got the best lines, but she was a really 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 good strong piece of that movie so the third the third again three-way tie for second and third place and this is kind of interesting because i just don't want to hear what you guys think about this but zoe zaldana for zaldana for um avengers finity war versus evangeline lily for ant-man and wasp or amber heard in aquaman now not have you seen aquaman harmy I've not seen Aquaman. I've yeah, seen no, the other so two no, movies. None of us have seen that one, so we have no opinion on her. Nope. Um, yeah. So what do you think about Zoe Saldana and Avengers Finia War versus... Uh, yeah, I guess she's sort of a central character there in, in that, that... Yeah, she, that she has a really good, nice arc. I mean, obviously it doesn't end well uh, for her in the middle of the picture, picture, but she has a really emotional arc with her and... Um, 
Star-Lord, and then she has another one with her and Thanos. So there's, she has some nice beats. She has some nice scenes. That Particularly that that uh, sort of final bit where Thanos kidnaps her and stuff. That's that's strong stuff. Yeah, cool. And Evangeline Lilly was very kick-butt, but I don't know that her performance was, for me... Yeah, I was surprised by that. That, that Highly memorable. That's right. I think Letitia Wright kind of ran away with that poll. Um, so the last one here we have is the most anticipated sci-fi movie of 2019. There is no question that the most anticipated movie is Star Wars Episode Nine. Oh, I have a question. What's the question? <laughs> Come on, Star, Star Wars Episode Nine. <laughs> it's an ele- it's a democratic process here, right? So listen, people just want people just want what they. I'm doing air quotes here. Closure, right? Can I so, just can I just have a moment with our listeners? Hello, listeners. Uh, listen, if you're not more interested in Avengers Endgame than you are in Star Wars Episode Nine, you're doing it wrong. Just just putting that out there. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't that far. It wasn't like far and away the number one pick. I mean, 33% of the vote went to that one. A third of the people voting in this poll went for, for that. But right behind it at 20, at like a couple of votes difference between that and Avengers Endgame. So that is the second place for most anticipated movie. So that is probably, if you if you take out the whole Star Wars Halo effect, right, then I'm sure if Avengers Infinity War would have come out on top. Am I right? Yeah, pro- probably. I mean, the, you have a very long-running, loved franchise, and you have, um, you know, a much newer franchise, but also very well-loved. And I, I think that was probably the difference, either closure to the to the series or just enough people being like, yeah, Star Wars, want to see that. Yeah, it's funny how Google messes up with our colors, because I don't know if you noticed that the glass kind of looks the same color. Well, no, for yeah, me, I, was... I see glass and Detective Pikachu. Oh. Can we talk? Can we address the person who voted for Detective Pikachu, please? What? Did somebody vote for Detective Pikachu for their <laughs> no, most no, anticipated no, no. movie? Not on this podcast, no. but uh, no. maybe that was the Ryan Reynolds Halo effect. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Canada loves them. There's no dispute, but come on. Well, before we get on that, Captain Marvel came in third place, which makes sense because we we want to find out where Captain Marvel is going to go. And to, so, if you combine Captain Marvel and Avengers: Infinity War, then they they beat out Star Wars. Yeah, they, and it, we, we could, didn't even have Spider Man in this one because it hadn't been announced that it was for sure coming this year. I think we knew that it was i don't i can't did we put it in there i can't even remember if we put it in there i i can i'll tell you in a second but so i just want to let you know what the other two wedges are so the the wedge on the left hand side is uh the new mutants new mutants new mutants yeah yeah and then the other wedge is godzilla king of the monsters because <laughs> that apparently is something people look forward to we know where jaime's vote was <laughs> yeah. the and then the other the other one is um uh toy story 4 oh that's a good one and zombie land 2 oh that yeah that's gonna be good too i got there's so, no there's no bad votes it's gonna be a great year for films i think again i think this one this is the year of closure right we get the end of uh the star wars third trilogy we get the end of game of thrones we get the end of the avengers uh you know two-parter this is uh this is the year of closure yeah yeah all right so now is the main event so are we gonna do the spoiler no we I, have like half an hour huh we just spoil the heck out of it come you on think? come on all yeah right. I, I think it's really hard to talk about it in a non-spoilery kind of way because even okay. some of the stuff we would mention would definitely give spoilers for season one so we are talking about a, a, or the orville's episode third episode right <laughs> <laughs> well maybe we'll save a room for that at the end we episode yeah, three no, no, yeah, the orville. there was like coincidentally in the same week a kind of a, a tip of the hat as far as i can tell from the orville to star trek discovery and from star trek discovery to the orville really yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about those they're they're very minor very minor tips of the hat is okay, what, I, okay, what i felt okay because okay. yeah because orville was losing me there for a while all right well, let's go back and so here we are ladies 
ladies and gentlemen, this is the spoiler part of the show where, hey, you know, so why are you listening to this show if you're not interested in Star Trek Discovery? So season two premiered the other day, the episode called Ruffling Feathers. And uh, was it? No. What was it called? Brother. Brother. Okay, right, right. And, and it had a disappointing end as far as that was concerned. But, um, I mean, if you're a fan. But, wow, what a good show. Yeah. What do you think? Definitely, like, you know, one of the better episodes we've seen so far. Yeah, I think I so, really too. Like- um, I mean, I, I was definitely a fan of the first season of Discovery. Totally understand why a lot of uh, longtime Star Trek fans may not have been. Mentioned the fact that it was more Battlestar Galactica in space is sort of the tone. Um, I don't think they moved completely away from that in this episode, but it definitely had more of a lighter feel to it, just a little bit more uh, happy and a little bit less morose, even though there was a lot of seriousness. And I think a lot of it comes down to the change in captains from Captain Lorca and uh, Captain Pike. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I really did like the the original star or the star sort of the Enterprise type uniforms versus the you know with the solid colors as opposed to just like the the stripes or whatever they use in um, Enterprise. But or sorry, in Discovery. But um, yeah, I mean, a, a really really good compelling story and and lots of energy and action. A little bit of you know suspend disbelief here and there, but but yeah, a very pretty show. Very you know, I mean, you can tell by the image I'm going to use for the the cover shot that uh, it was a really well designed show from that point of view right so and i and i really liked christopher pike's uh, character i i watched hell on wheels which is where i first uh, found out about anson mount and you know he plays quite a different character in in that show so uh yeah it was really interesting to see see him in this sort of more role more closer role um playing this new character uh, pike i really liked them so that was that was a good thing you know and and the way he didn't sort of like just steal it you know divide and conquer and steal everything away from saru's command um, you know let him let him take the helm for a bit you know and he didn't you know just sort of put michael burnham in his place as you know a typical authoritarian male character would do so well kind of left that to run its course right and then just a good sci-fi story what do you think john yeah i mean it was uh it was definitely kind of what you wanted to see coming out of last season you know uh you know just to sort of recap they started off with where they left off they encountered the enterprise which was uh badly damaged um of course we get anson mount coming over as as captain christopher pike who's a character we're all familiar with from uh, the Star Trek uh, films of the last few years, as well as from the original series. Um, there is this great mystery that they introduce us to, this uh, the, the seven red bursts that have been spread across the sky. Uh, Pike takes command of the ship, and they are off to go find out where, this, where these things are originating. So, of course, we've got this great mystery right off the hop. We've got the dynamics of, of Pike taking over. Um, they end up encountering this crashed ship, uh, uh, in this asteroid field, we get introduced to another new character in uh, um, Commander Jet Reno. The engineer is Tignataro, of course, the, the comedian uh, and actress. Um, and so it's really fast paced and there's really a lot going on. And of course, there's the whole where's Spock? What's going on with Spock? There's the whole Michael Burnham. Spock, He's on the Genesis Sarek. plane, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, this whole dynamic between the, you know, Sarek and Spock and they're flashing, doing some flashbacks. We're seeing a little bit of Spock and Michael's um, first interactions, which is kind of interesting sort of, you know, backstory stuff. Um, and then we end up with, you know, this sort of, you know, action-packed uh, pod racing scene. Sorry, it was pod racing. I don't care what you say. It was pod racing. Um, sure, yeah, yeah. We end up with this pod racing scene. The, you know, I know what I'm doing. Stop talking to me like I don't know what I'm doing. Guy who's being dismissive to Burnham gets smoked. I mean, that was just, you could see that one coming 800 miles away, even if he didn't see it coming. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, we end again with these great mysteries. Where's Spock? What was this, the vision that Michael Burnham had? What are these flashes? Uh, and we get the news that, uh, that Pike's staying aboard the Enterprise, or the Enterprise, the Discovery for a while, uh, while they repair the Enterprise. So, uh, you know, again, I, I think you couldn't have asked for more out of a first episode. You've got all these new elements. You've got some familiar elements that build off of what we've got. We even had Saru talking about his sister, which was something we saw in one of the short tracks. So mm -hmm. a little nod there for people who were following along. Um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was a tremendous debut. I'm, I'm, I'm all, all the way back in. I'm, I'm excited for, for the second episode and, uh, and where the season's going to take us. I did have a snappy repartee coming back, but I can't remember what it is now. <laughs> all right. Jaime, you're up for a snappy repartee. Um, well, okay. So I mentioned the Orville moment. So in this case, it would be really early on in the episode when they all get into the elevator, uh, elevator scenes for our, a big source of comedy in the Orville. Yeah. And they had one of those where they're all packed in there and uh, I think it's a Saurian alien uh, crewman just sneezes all over Lieutenant yeah. Mansplain. And, yes, uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and they just sort of roll it. It felt more Orville in its uh, in its execution and tone than it did, you know, last season's Discovery. So I, I felt like that was a little bit of a, a tip of the hat, a little nod of the head. Yeah. yeah. What I was going to say too is that the um, at the very beginning when the, when the, like if the four of them are kind of deciding to go on this away mission and one of them's wearing a red shirt i thought are they gonna blow her away or not but they ended up they ended up blowing away captain obvious there right yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> wow this guy gets no mercy this week <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I, I think it was Connolly. i don't remember what his he yeah, was a science officer i don't remember his rank lieutenant he was a lieutenant yeah, I mean, lieutenant. okay yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah good riddance, lieutenant yeah. obvious um, yep. Yeah, no, it, it was it was really cool. And again, I think, uh, you know, they're building off of a good first season and they're building off of a legacy that we're familiar with, which is, again, I, I I think that's brilliant. You know, you worry, obviously, about, you know, all these disruptions in what we know are our timelines, the whole Michael Burnham and Spock, and we never heard about her before and everything else. But, you know, it was cool to see the Enterprise, especially the, you know, the little tweaks they made to it, it was cool to see the Enterprise and Pike. And, you know, we're going to clearly we're going to see Spock at some point and and start getting into that area of the universe. And, you know, they, they allude to, you know, them being away on their mission when uh, the whole war with the Klingons was breaking out and their regret that they didn't get to be there. And, you know, it's, it's cool that it all sort of ties back together with where we, where we all started from 50 plus years ago. Yeah. And they had the, they had the comedy bits like the, you know, the Tignataro's line about, Oh, I thought we were all going to die. And then, and the just Saru line when they were naming off all the people when he's trying to figure out, you know, yeah, Saru, my name Saru. is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. They hello, my name is stickers on their chest, right? Um, <laughs> right, which, which I remember was a big, I feel like that was addressing feedback, right? Where they, they'd gotten a lot of feedback of like, hey, this is like the first time we don't really even know who the bridge crew people are. Mm. What are their names? I'm sure I could like buy a comic book and, or a novel and find out, but they don't even like mention their names for the most part in season one. All right, but we yeah. all just watched this like within the last week. Can you name everybody who was on that bridge? No. No, not even close. I can name like, you know, Lieutenant <laughs> Commander Arium because it was like kind of funny they said you know no ranks and she went ahead and did it just like real people in the real world would do 
Yeah. Uh, Detmer. Um, and then besides, you know, like Saru and Michael Burnham, I don't think I can get any more. Yeah. Captain Pike. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> if, if we go off of like who was on the bridge, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because like all those all those um, people on the on the bridge in the first season had like no lines if other than gasping from time to time, right? But but even the android you know, augmented human person that I mentioned earlier, Lieutenant, I forgot her name already. Um, she actually has a line or two in there as mm-hmm. well, right? So yeah, there's a good there's a high five. Good moment between the uh, the two uh, front of the bridge officers when they're trying yeah. to you know help Burnham not uh, get toasted as she's trying to rescue Pike, right? You know, oh, have you got me? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we got you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and of course, then there was a development with um, uh, the engineer guy. I've forgotten his name now. The Stamets. Stamets. Yeah, he's decided he's leaving, and but he can't leave until this you know season's over or whatever, uh, or the mission's over. But uh, and um, Captain or Cap, I want to say Captain Tilly, but it's not. It's Tilly. Um, you know, helping solve the problem and using math and getting a high five in the in the show there as well. You right? mean drunk with power, Tilly? Drunk with power, Tilly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she's the one who can assign rooms for everybody now, and, and she has that authority. I don't know, but, but there's one line where somebody sort of says, "I think it's Pike says, talk less, talk less." Yeah, yeah. some advice. Fly talk good less. to Detmer. Yeah. Fly good, yeah. yeah. Fly good, yeah. So it was yeah, a great they, episode. I mean, they back the truck. To you know, they use the, the this is the power of math to get the gravity yeah, simulator and yeah. just just pump the brakes and back up the truck to get the asteroid into their uh, shuttle bay. Yeah. Oh right, yes, right. Yeah. They're not quite perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Again, I think I think we're all in agreement. I think it was you know it was a really really strong premiere for season two. I think you know obviously there was a lot of build up with us you know getting back into it with the short tracks and wondering if we were going to start seeing some tie-ins, some references. We've already got our first reference to those short tracks, and uh, you know it's, it's set the stage again. It's the big mystery. You know, do you guys have any, uh, any immediate thoughts on what the big mysteries are? Where's Spock? Why did Spock? You know, the the thing they tease us with is that Spock was having nightmares about these mysterious flashes across the universe before they even appeared. Cool little yeah, and he's drunk teaser. with power again. Yeah, yeah, and has has left the Enterprise, and you know nobody seems to know where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really even have the slightest. I've read some stuff online, you know, fan theories. I I don't even have the slightest clue um, from my own perspective as to what they could possibly be. It was interesting how they built up in the whole episode too that that you were going to meet Spock at some point in the episode. Like they kept that was they kept building, building, building towards that through you know Sarek and and Michael Burnham talking and all the flashback bits, and then it, you don't find it till the very last. Oh, spoilers! Last last scene or two of the show that that he's not even there, right? So he's he's taken off. Yeah, and even my. Michael Burnham's like, what? You know? Yeah, I think <laughs> this also caught some of the, the reviewers uh, off their off their game where it's just a different era now with serialized television. This is one season long story. So it, it kind of didn't surprise me that we didn't see, like if this was an episode of TNG, he'd be in there before the end for sure. Right. Yeah, and then we wrapped sure, yeah. up and like, hey, how's it going? And then maybe there'd be like a part two. Yeah. But uh, in, in this case, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if he doesn't show up for an episode or two. Well, it's mm-hmm. funny too, because it, it is a contrast because even though the series is being shown on Netflix worldwide, um, you know, obviously CBS in, in the United States and, and Space Channel and Crave here in Canada, uh, it's weird to have a weekly show in its own way. It, it does feel a little throwbacky um, when you know we're so used to. Again, last week we got every episode of The Punisher dropped at once from Netflix. We've got you know all these you know the Stranger Things and all these Marvel shows. We've got you know we talked about Altered Carbon. We're used to this sort of dump of information. You know. Uh, Runaways just dropped all on Hulu in December. You know, we, we're used to this sort of, oh, it's just here and I can just sort of go. So even if it's serialized, you can just sort of go at it. You know, this is one of those like Game
Game of Thrones where you actually have a slow burn and we have some discussion and we have some build and, you know, we get to theorize. And I think that's kind of a nice treat in this era of instant gratification to have to sort of go. Although I will say uh, my 15 year old son watched the first episode with me and was like, you know, I think a little bit put off by the fact that like you couldn't just power through and watch the next one and the next one and the next one. So, (laughs) you know, maybe that is a generational thing where we're a little more willing as uh, as men of a certain age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, can we talk about the Orville? Uh, yeah, I've got speaking uh, of this whole serialized story thing. Because like, I mean, they were really starting to lose my interest in the first two episodes, and then I don't know if this third episode really won me, but they were setting us up with this with the first two episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy to talk about it. I've got some notes for season three or for season three for episode three and episode four. Sure. Or was it episode four we just watched? Yeah, three was the one where uh, Alara is on the planet. She goes back to her home planet. Oh, okay. That was okay. Ep- Episode yeah, yeah, yeah. three, we hadn't mm-hmm. talked about that one, and right. then episode four is the episode from that they built uh, up to the yeah, one yeah, yeah. that they had built up to. So, um, so episode three to recap, mm-hmm. episode three was the one where uh, it's called Home. Lara is losing her strength. She's the chip security officer. She's Salayan. Should have been called the Day of the Doctor, by the way. Yeah, really. Uh, so she's losing her strength. She has to go back to Salaya. She goes back to Salaya. She's having problems adjusting to the heightened gravity on her planet. She ends up basically playing through a Hitchcock movie at one point where there's, you know, clearly something bad's going on. Um, we have uh, a couple of good cameos in there. Robert Picardo, who of course played uh, the holographic doctor on Star Trek Voyager, plays her dad. Um, he was in last season very briefly uh, on the view screen. And then we had John Bing- Billingsley, uh, who plays uh, Phlox on Star Trek Enterprise, uh, was also uh, a guest star in this episode. Um Long story short, uh, Alara decides to stay, and Halston Sage quit the show. That's right. Bottom line on that is that probably one of the better characters on the show has left the show. Yeah. They came out the next day and said, yes, she's really gone, but the door is open for her to return someday. That's why they didn't kill her off. Probably a better fate for a security officer than we saw in the first season of Star Trek. Uh, right. No tar picks for her, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, No tar murder for her. Um, yeah, again, sad to see her go. I thought she was one of the stronger characters. And there was sort of an interesting dynamic that was there. They sort of alluded to a little bit between her and um, Ed uh, Mercer, the captain, that seems a little unresolved now, although they, they do have a sort of farewell scene and stuff. But overall, sad to see her go. Last episode was the uh, nothing left on Earth excepting fishes. Um, Ed, the captain, finally hooks up with Tyler, the uh, dark matter cartographer we got introduced to in the first episode of this season, which, as Jaime reminded us last episode, was actually supposed to be the last episode of the first season. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they hook up. He's happy. They decide they're going to go on a vacation. They're attacked by the Krill. Uh, turns out that actually she is a Krill, and not only is she a Krill, she is Talea, who is the uh, woman who they encountered in an episode last season. Um, the Krill ship is in turn attacked by the Shaktal. The Shaktal blow up the ship, but Ed and... Uh, uh, Talea, yeah. Talea uh, end up getting away. They go down to a planet. They have to stay on the dark side because, uh, as we discovered last season, the sunlight kills Krill. Uh, they have a little adventure on the planet. The Shaktal try and kill them. They end up uh, having to form a little bit of trust. They get off the planet together uh, on a last nice, nice last second save by 
by uh, Gordon and Bordas, and uh, and then when they get back to the Orville, Ed decides to release Talia, uh, handing her the best of Billy Joel and playing She's Always a Woman to Me uh, as she's <laughs> sent packing out the door. Um, thoughts on this? These, these two episodes, but specifically the last one? Oh, thank you. Um, I think for the home Alara episode, it was kind of losing me for like the first 30 minutes, I think. And then there's a twist in the middle or, or maybe around the 40 minute mark that just suddenly had me compelled. Um, <laughs> was a, it a boiling twist? <laughs> the things at the boiling point. <laughs> and suddenly I was like, oh man, this episode's going in a way different direction than I thought it was going to go. Um, and the most recent episode with the Krill lady uh, is in my mind at the tip of the hat. And it's not the fact that um, uh, sort of the more superficial thing that you could like, say, oh, well, you know, this is kind of like choose your pain from last season's Star Trek Discovery. I went a little deeper and said, hmm, this character's name um, was Tyler. Yeah. So if you can invoke yeah. the uh, Ash Tyler um, Voke <laughs> duality, yeah, it seemed like a, like a huge nod towards uh, Discovery. Or, or ripoff. Is that the word you're looking for? Ripoff? <laughs> I mean, the, the story thing it gets it sort of like the thing we talked last time about um, the Orville being sort of rooted firmly in the past, being rooted firmly as homage slash parody slash ripoff of TNG and, and, and Star Trek in general. Um, I think going so far to name the character Tyler feels <laughs> like they knew what they were doing on that one. <laughs> you know, that was like a signal. Yeah, and it's it's funny because they they did that and it, it seemed so fast. Again, we, we talked about how they you know they they decided to shorten the first season and tack that one on to the as the first episode of this season. But to have it go from like introduction introduction of new character to like stunning twist in like a handful of episodes. She wasn't even in one of those episodes. I, I just did like there was no it was just sort of out of nowhere and you're like what who what who cared what like it just there was no build up to their romance like it, you're supposed to feel bad for Ed that he was betrayed but like they just started dating the beginning of the episode and then suddenly he's feeling betrayed but you don't get any of that sense of it because there was no build up to it like, it just had no gravitas at all this episode like I didn't feel like there was any connection between the characters I didn't feel like there was any kind of build up about like they hadn't even mentioned the krill this entire season again like it just felt like they were diving into the deep end when you know they'd only put in a cup full of water like it just it just didn't work for me at all hmm. yeah and i and i think a lot of that is the the old timey way in which the story is being told i mean this has the same beats as a tng episode where you know maybe there's a little bit of continuity we're like hey remember this character from a different episode we brought him back and then the enterprise warps in somewhere stuff happens and then at the end of the hour they warp away and <laughs> never to be seen again sort of thing yeah and i think it's a little different than the you know more serialized structures and then like discovery or deep space nine for example well it's interesting we're going to have to look at the the you know things like imdb closer this time because i looked at i went back after seeing the, sh the episode i went back and looked at imdb and and the, the actress who plays uh talea is uncredited in the episode where they, they go and they you know they do the romulan where kirk does the romulan thing and gets dressed up as as what are these guys called krill krill yeah yeah so he and he um mercer, mercer yeah. and, and and the other guy get dressed up as krill dudes and they go and infiltrate and they they have this relationship with this woman and her kid and whatever and they end up 
killing her brother to, to solve the problem of that particular episode. And that's why she's here back for vengeance, right? Yeah. Um, so it's that old, you know, vengeance, you know, tr- uh, trick. But uh, the fact that they, you know, like I'm saying, like now we'll have to go back and look at the cast lists from each episode to sort of say, hey, is this person like not cre- credited for some reason, you know? Because they did the same thing with um, Tyler's character on uh, Star Trek Discovery last yeah. year. They they put they credited the actor with his father's name when he was the uh, the Klingon until they revealed that he was one in the same person. Oh, spoilers for people who didn't watch last season. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's too late. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. I, 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 that's what I was kind of wondering. Like, so, for, I found the first two episodes very weak in terms of, like, it's like it wasn't sort of what we'd ex- what I'd become to expect from, from the Orville. Orville was sort of doing that same sort of thing like the original series was doing where they were going on away missions and, and messing up, you know, the Prime Directive and then having to fix it and that kind of stuff, right? Some of those stories they did last year. Um, the whole arc with Bortus and, and his issues with his uh, his partner, husband, whatever, um, was kind of odd. And, you know, and Ed, Ed trying to find love and, you know, and also trying to get promoted in this last one. Oh, Gordon. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Gordon. Yeah, Gordon. Um, yeah, because that's the captain, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard to it's hard to sort of, you know, really get invested in this at this point, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it can be entertaining at times. And again, it's good. You know, it's, it's not. It was bad. half an hour last year. No, it was a full hour show. Oh, okay. okay. But I think they were cramming a few more commercials in. I think they've uh, they made uh, they let it be known that they've added a little more show to the show this year. But I think it's coming in at uh, last year it was coming in at like forty five or minutes or so. Now I think it's closer to fifty. So they they are a little okay. more dense. Um, but I don't know that that's for the better. Yeah, I don't know. I was, I've been needing to watch the you know what's how to live and die in the West or whatever it's called the the movie oh, million, million ways to die in the West. That was actually enjoyable. Yeah. It's it's goofier, but again, it's meant to be funny. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like like that's kind of sort of where I think so. It's it's sort of his blazing saddles in a sense. In that what you mean by that, right? Like wow. Let's, like let's, is, let's not get silly about this. Blazing no, Saddles well, is one of the funniest I mean, movies this isn't ever Star made. Trek either this is not Star Trek either, even though it's trying to be right. It's more lost in space than Star Trek. But um, but the uh, I mean, is this is this really just Seth MacFarlane's? You know, I got a lot of money. Let's make a sci-fi TV show or what? I think it's that he's got a lot of clout with Fox and said this is what I wanted. They said, what do you want to do to keep working here? And he said, I want to do this. And they said, fine. Um, and you know, it has all the sort of hallmarks of a vanity project, which is fine. And there have been good vanity projects over the year, uh, over the years. But, uh, yeah, again, I think, you know, we talked about it before. This show isn't funny enough to be funny. It's not good enough sci-fi to be good sci-fi. Uh, it just can't seem to make up its mind. It has some funny moments, but not enough to sort of keep you coming for the laughs. It has enough sci-fi moments that are like, oh, it's good. Uh, yeah, no, it's not actually really, it's very much derivative. So it's kind of in the middle and, and yet we all still keep tuning in. So I'm not sure what that says about us and our taste. <laughs> well, that's because our PVRs are set to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, you know, it, it just can't seem to get out of middle gear. It's not a bad show and it's not a great show. It's a show. Um, you know, I, I think all of us see lots of moments of potential characters and different things and we're just waiting for it to all crystallize. Uh, but I, I don't think we've seen it yet. Again, I thought that second episode, uh, as Jaime said, there was 
was this, you know, as you sort of think, you know, where the episode's going, there's a bit of a twist in the middle uh, with, you know, uh, John Billingsley turning out to be a, a spoilers, turned out to be a bad guy um, and go to some really dark places. We had a little Star Trek on Star Trek veteran torture scene. Um, you know, that went to some places where I was like, oh, that's okay. All right, I'm in and sort of followed along and thought at the end of that episode, I was like, oh, well, this is more indicative of what we're going to see than maybe we're onto something here. But then season uh, episode four felt very much, as Jaime said, it felt very derivative of, of old TNG. So, right, right. Hmm. All right, well, we're running out of time. So let's move on to our watch list. Um, have you got something here? Yeah, it's not a, a, a watch list item per se. It's still kind of a pick. That would be a, a blog post on the Arduino blog on some fans who recreated the Death Star trench run scene with Lego. Apparently part of it is powered by Arduino to turn on the lights. Um, it is how many? It is 8.79 feet long or 2.68 meters for those of you who use that measurement system. So it's, it's quite a, quite impressive. It, it has both the uh, trench run part with the X-Wing fighter and uh, being chased by some TIE fighters. Uh, and then on the other side, there's the cutaway of, you know, the little Empire guys running around uh, manning the turbo lifts. Uh, sorry, the uh, turbo... Turbo lasers? Tur- thank you. Turbo lasers. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. cool. I'll check that out. All right. I just have one. I, I have a couple on here. There's a few shows I'm watching right now. I'm just trying to draw a blank on them. But, but Luther, which is one of my favorite shows, has just come back. And I think this is season five for yeah. Luther. This is Idris Elba's... Um, I, you, I mean, most people know him from The Wire, but I discovered him on Luther, just stumbled across this show when it first, was first shown here. It's part of BBC Canada. And uh, yeah, Lu- C- season five, just like out of the blue, here we are, yay! So um, great series of shows. And it's another one of these ones where um, even though uh, he basically is, is, a, is a detective who follows serial killers. So I suggest if you're going to watch this show, it's a great show to watch from season one and work your way through. Don't just jump into season five because you won't get half of the uh, half of the references. But every single episode is very very compelling very dark it's very a very dark. dark series it's it's kind of like bbc's sherlock but mm-hmm. but even darker, um, darker yeah. but, but so well done so well acted uh, you turned me on to that one years ago and I, I'm, I'm with you that's such a great series for sure for sure all right what do you got john uh well uh we've got the the season finale of the good place is coming up uh this week and so i am absolutely season finale season finale they only do they do 13 episodes but the first episode is actually at uh back to back on the first night so uh this oh. is episode 13 of this season 39 overall they're just finishing season three and so we have the finale um we had a huge sort of uh revelatory moment uh in the last episode so we now know uh, sort of where this is sort of headed we think uh as we head into season four and so i'm really curious to see what's going to happen next and how they're going to wrap things up and set us up for season four so this is uh it's very cool season four what are you talking about oh the finale season finale oh, okay yes it's not the finale season finale, finale. season oh, finale yes. okay Yes. Scared me there for a minute. All right. Seems like it just started up again. I don't get it. Yeah. 13 episodes, really? 13, yeah, 13 episodes. They did uh, 10 before the break, uh, and then... Oh, no, they did 9 before the break, and then they're doing 3 after. Oh, uh, okay. No, 10. 10 before the break, including the double parter at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Right, okay, okay. I think I missed the double parter. Okay. Yeah. And what's your next pick? Uh, well, the next pick isn't so much a pick as to say that I finally caught up with you and watched... Woo-hoo! Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We, how many of you had a chance to watch this yet? Yeah, or or play, I guess. I'm not even sure how to describe <laughs> the experience here because yeah. it is an interactive movie. So uh, uh, we sat down as a... Uh, my wife and I went, sat down to watch it and uh, oh. we watched the first sort of 
15 minutes or so and played along. And then uh, our 15-year-old son came and joined us and said, what's this? And started watching a little bit. And then our 13-year-old son joined us. So it turned into a family event. Um, yeah. And I assuming you guys have played through many variations. It does get very yep. dark at times. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was very interesting to have a family consensus on some of the decisions we made through this thing. Uh, at one point, my 15-year-old grabbed the remote control and uh, committed a murder, which I thought was a little unnecessary necessary but um <laughs> so it was very very uh it was very compelling it was very interesting we were really really interested in where all the threads wove together and and, and yeah. i thought it was extremely well done yeah. um one of the one did of the most how they, how they how they made the show though how did i figure out how they made it yeah well i assume they just filled filmed alt after alt after alt <laughs> they just it took me a while to figure it out but i did i finally because i kept watching going okay how are they doing this and then then i and then i realized what they were doing yeah yeah and it's funny how they have this sort of semi endings and then you trying to, it's not really an ending and yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, I, I don't know if we want to put a spoiler warning out there for everybody, if we're going to have any discussion about it, did you guys play through and get a whole variety of endings and yes. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not every ending from what I can tell from looking online, but a, a good portion of them. Yeah. Yeah. What was the most satisfying ending? How do you, how did you guys feel was, was the best way to resolve, uh, this, the story? I don't remember. It's been weeks since I watched it, but. But, uh, something about explaining Netflix to somebody. Oh yeah, the, the Netflix one was. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. That path has one of the the best choices of like what you are going to do. Yeah, uh, we were watching it together as well, and it's like obviously I'm going to choose this one. Look, every time there's an option, name this. I'm going to choose that option. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like I they really hadn't settled down into it to to watch it sort of the way you're supposed to. I watched it got through like one or two and is like yeah man you know interesting you know experiment but nothing great but then for some reason we just kept trying it and it got better with every yeah retry and it's like oh now i totally get how this works yeah now i understand why people were so jazzed about this well when you first do the first few choices it's like you know what kind of breakfast cereal do you want what kind of music do you want to listen to what kind of album do you want to buy it's it's pretty mundane simple choices but boy does it go some interesting places as you go yeah i never did i never did understand why we're pouring tea on the computer though that's the part that really bothered me of course right <laughs> maybe it's a british thing yeah mm -hmm. i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know yeah it's funny we interviewed a, a gentleman on, on i think two episodes ago on um roundabout who actually had one of those computers when he was a kid because i you know we would have the commodore 64 over here yeah they had those those uh timex yep. sinclair things right yeah zed something 20 zed 26 or 28 or something like that yeah and there's a whole bunch of them on ebay now which is really funny too <laughs> yeah but, all right but yeah Yes, I think we all give a wholehearted endorsement. It's uh, again the first question out of both my sons' mouths were: Are is there more of these? Like, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it worked. I think it was great. Yeah, is that the way TV is going to be from now on? I guess that's a big question, right? Yeah, yeah. You've right. done it again, well, like, Netflix. Yeah, damn, darn you, Netflix. <laughs> all right, so uh, I guess that's it for the week. We got to wrap up now. So hey, Hami, if people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. And Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at JPK News. Look at you go. All right. And, uh, well, my name is Tim Mitra, so it's T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is the best way to get a hold of me. And until uh, next time, we'll see you in the future. Actually, next week, I guess, right? We'll see you in the future. All right. Bye. 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 That concludes another episode of SpotCast, streamed to you via subspace signal. I'm friend of the show, Greg Keo, joining you from Sector 001. 
If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with your Star Trek nerd hosts on the website or follow them on Twitter. They're at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send them a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending it to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount of gold press latinum at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help them out on the website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Wishing you peace and long life. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details